tax tax, which is always exciting. GST. That's a great idea. More efficient tax. Due diligence now. Hey everyone and welcome. This is Tax Wrap, episode 13. The 13th episode, lucky number 13, I guess we could say. Mm. Hey Bill and Ange, how you doing? Hello, very good. It's good to be here. Now this week, uh, we're responding to somebody who reached out to us on Twitter, at Ari Bowles or Ari Bowlers. Uh, Ari, I apologise profusely if I've mispronounced your name at all. But you wanted to know about general eligibility for small business CGD concessions. Now, Bill, this is something that you're quite well versed in. Am mm. I correct? Passionate about. Passionate. I, I think no one's really quite well versed um, with how these provisions work, but I'll, I'll give it my best. Well, that's good to hear. Take us away. All right. Um, I think when when we're considering the small business CGT concessions, the I guess from the outset, the number one thing to understand is there are four 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 different concessions. The small business 50% concession, the small business rollover, the retirement exemption or the $500,000 limit, and the 15-year exemption. Mm. So before we launch into the general eligibility requirements for these concessions, there's a few things that that people should note. One of the, I guess, it sounds quite obvious, but one of the really, really critical things to, to be aware of in this area is who the taxpayer that uh, in question is in respect of claiming these concessions. And that can be tricky, Bill, can't it? Yes, it can, Ange. Um, Look, uh, because these concessions sometimes rely on who a small business entity happens to be, Mm. that can sometimes be quite different uh, to who, uh, I guess, is holding that CGT asset. Yeah, right. So uh, I guess one of the examples of that would be, for instance, where you've got a partnership and the business is being run in the partnership, yep. but the individual partners are the holders of any CGT asset. Yeah, it makes sense, right. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, um, something that's critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I guess the, the, the next thing to sort of consider is uh, whether or not uh, these, uh, whether or not you've, you've sort of ticked off the general requirements. So what, this sounds quite obvious, but has a capital gain occurred? Mm. That's, that's, that's the first thing. Has a capital gain occurred? Yep. Um, do you have a CGT asset in question? These, these obvious things um, crop up. Then uh, we get into sort of the nitty gritty of the rules uh, and we need to determine whether or not we have a small business entity mm-hmm. for the particular year. So, sorry, Bill. Mm-hmm. Small business entity, what, what, what are we sort of using to define that? Okay, so currently uh, Division 328 actually defines what a small business entity is. Yeah. Um, in, that, in that division, it, it states that an aggregate turnover of $2 million, $2 million right. is mm-hmm. uh, the requirement to, to hit... Um, um, Brilliant. Yeah. Yep. That has to be under that amount in yep. order for you to be classified as a small business entity. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, an alternative to that test is uh, the maximum net asset value test, uh, which is also um, contained in Division 152. Yeah. Uh, that requirement is set at $6 million currently. It, right. it was $5 million. That, that has been uplifted. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the uh, maximum net asset value wow. of the entity in question. Uh, and finally, the the, old, the third way into uh, this regime is if you're a partner in a partnership that is a small business entity for the income year, and the CGT asset is an interest in an asset of the partnership. So, as as I sort of alluded to earlier, who the taxpayer is is very very important for yeah. the purposes of these rules. Yep. Um, I guess the 
the, the next really, really critical thing in order to obtain these concessions is working out whether or not you've got an active asset. And, and this can be really, really tricky. Yeah. Um, what do they mean by that? Okay, well, Ange, um, an active asset just generally means an asset that's being used in a business. Yeah. The problem is that we've got a number of exclusions that also apply in this area, mm -hmm. okay? So often people say, I've got a rental property business. I, I, I own a number of rental properties yep. and they all earn rent for me. And I manage it uh, much like a managing agent would, mm -hmm. um, collecting rent, making sure repairs are done and what have you. Mm -hmm. Now, even where that is a business, a specific exclusion exists uh, to the active asset provisions that excludes uh, assets that are used to derive rent. Okay. Yeah, so so passive, that would not the passive type of asset as opposed to a well, mm. well. See, this is the thing. It isn't necessarily whether it's passive or active, like passive or active. I think um, what it's a bit misleading mm. in terms of calling that an active asset. Right. What it means is it's an active asset in respect of. Um, the use of that asset in a business, one of the exclusions happens to be if it's used to make rent. Oh. So even if it is still an active asset used in a business, where that business is the business of deriving rent, it still is excluded, unfortunately. Right. Um, one of the one of the type, types of assets that really sort of, I guess, um, is used a lot in this area are intangible assets. Uh, these are things uh, that are inherently connected with the business. Um, the primary example of this type of asset would be something like goodwill. Mm. Um, in terms of that type of asset, the exclusions obviously apply differently to that type of asset. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Mm. So, I mean, you couldn't necessarily say that that asset was deriving rental income. So you might have the sale of a, a business that was used predominantly to derive rental income, but the intangible asset being the goodwill. Right wouldn't be subject to, arguably wouldn't be subject to the same restrictions. Okay. Are there any clear-cut examples of what an intangible asset or an example of goodwill okay. would be? Okay, so for example, I mean, let's, let's, let's look at a, a fictional business where you have uh, the sale of widgets. Uh, let's say that um, the individual in question who, who runs that business um, is getting on in years and they decide, look, I'm going to sell this business now, you know, the plan and equipment that I've got on my balance sheet is quite old. Uh, it's probably not worth a lot, but the amount that the business earns is astronomical, right? So a third party comes to this individual and says, you know what, I'll give you, you know, $3 million in respect of your business. Mm. Now, in that case, it's quite clear that what the person is paying for is the reputation and brand and the goodwill of the business. Yep rather than the Receiving planet equipment assets. Yeah, that mm. aren't worth really all that much. Yeah, that makes sense. So I guess that's, that's kind of an example of what goodwill would be. Okay, right? yeah. fantastic. Um, there are also additional requirements in respect of claiming these concessions. Uh, the additional requirements apply in two different circumstances. Firstly, where the interest in question being sold is a trust or company interest, like units in a unit trust or mm. shares in a company. Yeah. Uh, and also, in respect of certain of the concessions, they also have additional requirements. So those, um, uh, those particular concessions that have additional requirements are the retirement exemption and also the 15-year exemption. And the reason why they do is because they're probably the most lucrative yeah. out, of, out of the four. And you need to restrict the access to them, basically. That's exactly yeah. it. So, yeah. so those, um, in terms of this podcast, we won't necessarily go through those. We don't really have time mm -hmm. in order to tick those off. But by all means, give us a call on our helpline if yeah, someone wants to, to clarify that. 
Um, I'm, I'm always happy to speak to people in relation to um, those matters. Mm. Um, the other the other type of uh, sort of carve out is where it's a, a trust or company interest, as as I, as I mentioned. So essentially, in respect of that, uh, really what you need is to determine whether or not there is a CGT, what's referred to as a CGT concession stakeholder, who will benefit from uh, the sale of those assets. Um, sometimes that can be quite difficult to work out because you've got uh, a number of interposed entities. Yeah. So they've got what's referred to as, as, as a small business participation percentage that they use to approximate who is going to benefit from the sale of these assets. Yeah. So look, without going into too much detail, yep. that's a snapshot of the requirements in order to be able to claim these concessions. Uh, the one thing that I would say, uh, if your if your client or, or if a uh, taxpayer is trying to claim these concessions, by all means make sure that you have um, the appropriate advice, written advice to support the claiming of those concessions. Yeah, I think it's critical. Uh, there are a number of other requirements that I haven't necessarily touched on um, because we don't have time, uh, but those other requirements would necessitate uh, a, a very proficient individual uh, drafting up a document to support the positions. A position um, paper of some yeah, sort. Yeah, that's mm. right. That's right. Yeah. So I think, look, um, in terms of claiming the the CGT, the small business CGT concessions, yeah. uh, it is a lucrative concession. It is something that's hotly debated. Um, the, uh, the the report from, um, I believe Board it was the Board of Taxation. Yeah. Um, was looking at uh, looking at these rules. So and and perhaps clarifying these rules. But in terms of the current position, what we have now, they are quite complex. So by all means, uh, yeah. you speak to your tax tax professional. Fantastic. Uh, and watch this space, I guess. Yeah, watch this space. Mm. That's good advice. Thank you for summing it up so concisely. I don't think we've ever had a uh, such a concise definition of the general eligibility for small business CGT concessions. So it's, it's good that um, Ari Bowles reached out to us. We thank you for for doing so and if you have any further questions please reach out to our helpline you can speak to Bill who he's um, proclaimed by himself to be quite passionate about this <laughs> subject so I'm sure he'll love you interesting, out, yeah. if and when he can and uh, yeah thanks for joining us stay tuned for the episode next week which will be episode 14 yeah. mm, cheers thanks, thanks guys, guys.